Welcome to Damn Mom, Really? Which is a podcast that seeks to shed light on grief and open up a conversation about a topic that is often avoided. Again, this is a space for people who have either experienced the loss of a mother or a mother figure, and I am so excited to fellowship with you guys. The contents of these episodes is up to the discretion of both my guests and myself, and I can trust that they are telling the truth just as much as I am, as it feels right for them. Also, noting that the subject matter can potentially be heavy or triggering we have included a six minute cool down meditation by liliana rasmussen at the end of this episode for your pleasure and this soundscape is brought to you by scott reed jr Hello, everybody. Welcome to the best podcast in the world. My name is Danae, as y'all should know by now, and this is my show, Damn Mom, really, the podcast that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to. I have my friend here, Madeline, with me, who's going to talk about losing her mom, not only losing her mom, but also losing her dad. We're really excited to have her on today. Just want to make sure, though, your pronouns are she, her. But anyway, uh, tell the people a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, my name is Madeline and I am based out of Portland, Oregon right now. I'm currently studying, um, at Portland State University, getting a master's in book publishing, which is, um, yeah, very specific, but I'm really stoked. Um, and it's going really well. And I also serve at a restaurant and I'm going to learn to bartend pretty soon. And I'm also an indoor cycling instructor. So um, I have a lot going on in my life right now, but um, I love to stay active and talk to people, meet people. And I love to write and read. So I feel like I'm on the right track. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Can I just say, I think you're the first person I've ever met who wants to be a book publisher. That is so cool and unique, but it sounds like you're so busy. How do you keep all that stuff yeah. together? Because I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I just started grad school this term, so I'm still learning the ropes of keeping everything straight and balancing everything. Um, but at the restaurant, I'm only working 20 hours a week-ish. So it's not a full-time job and full-time school. Um, and then my, my indoor cycling job is only a couple times a week. So it's pretty minimal, but it's still a great outlet. And I get paid to work out, which is awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. that's dope. If you have to do it, you might as well get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I started, um, gosh, it had to have been... 2018 that I started and several of the instructors um, that I currently work with now actually worked at this old studio. It's no longer open, but it was called Mob Cycle. And um, that kind of catapulted my interest and my love of the workout. Um, the way that they structure their classes, it's rhythm-based writing. So they ride to the beat of the music. And so I, I, yeah, I'm like, I'm very, I love music. And so I very much connect with music. Um, and it just was a very inspiring 
workout and something that I hadn't ever experienced before. And then I ended up teaching uh, up in Bellingham, Washington. And when I came back to Portland, um, some of the instructors that worked at Mob Cycle were opening their own studio. And I was like, hey, do you need more instructors? Because I would love to teach. Ooh, <laughs> and I, I have some experience. That. Yeah. So that's kind of how I ended up um, teaching here at Revel. Nice. Well, we love a professional shot shooter. I love that for you. I like, (laughs) you know, I've never done cycling. I'm interested in it though. Um, But I do Pilates. And the reason I asked about, uh, I'm like a Pilates girl through and through. Like as soon as we get off here today, I'm going to class. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) but the reason that I started it and I got so um, deep into it. So I started it before my mom passed and then I stopped. And then I tried tried like seven times after that to kind of get back into it and when it finally stuck it stuck and it's become such a holistic practice for me and Mm -hmm. you know it's so interesting how like people say uh working out is a therapy and I've always been like oh my god that's so cliche ah tiktok whatever but it's so true yeah yeah and I definitely I totally resonate with that and I um the musical aspect of my classes I also very much connect with my mom, like me and my mom bond over music mm-hmm. still, even in the afterlife. Ooh, I know um, that's right. So like when I am, um, when I'm teaching and building my playlists, it's very personal too. So it's nice. What yeah. is? The, I would love yeah. to hear a little bit more about that whole musical connection because I feel like I share that with my mom too, and me and my dad talk about that a, like a lot. So I would love to hear you know yeah. that relation that you guys have through music. Yeah. Um. So my mom, <laughs> she had such a unique music taste. Like, I just very much remember that growing up early life. I mean, just throughout my life, really. Um, but especially early memories, if we were cleaning the house, we would put on Shania Twain. Like that is what we cleaned the house to. But then there were other activities where we would be listening to Ludacris. (laughs) Like she just had, she had different moods and different seasons. And I just, I remember that as a kid. And I remember, um, just how much she would light up at music. And so it made me appreciate music also. No, I really love that. So would you say that music is something that you took refuge in right away? Like did the understanding that that's how you would connect your mom come to you right away? You know, something that took some time for you to understand. It it wasn't something I immediately took refuge in. um, But I would say that, Pretty soon after she passed, um, so she's been gone almost eight years now. In March, it will be eight years. Um, And I lost her right after I turned 20. So my birthday is in February and her birthday is in March, but she also died in March. Um, So after she passed, I was still in school. I was still in my undergraduate degree and she was very, um, education 
oriented. Sure. She loved the fact that I was at university. She wanted me to stay in university. She didn't want her death to prohibit me from finishing. She was like very, very worried about that happening. Um, but it didn't. And I finished. Oh, <laughs> so that's great. Um, but because she died at the time she did, I think that my grief response was a little bit more delayed um, because she died during my spring break, Damn. which was crazy. But then I just went right back to school Oof. and I had school. I had a job that was minimal, but still on top of being a full-time student. And I also had an internship that was pretty involved so I had a lot of things going on and I was grieving in between the moments that I could, but I, it didn't really hit me until that summer. And that summer I still had this internship and it required me to um, drive to a lot of different towns throughout the area. I was, um, working for Environment Washington, and um, we were trying to get a solar energy bill on, <laughs> like, passed nice. through legislation, and we were trying to get Washingtonians to commit to 20% solar energy by the year 2024, which is kind of funny now, because now we're here. Um, but I was gathering signatures and talking to business owners and talking to local elected officials. Like I was responsible for two different legislative districts. And that meant driving out in the county sometimes. And on my drives, I went to school and lived in Bellingham, Washington. Um, and people that don't know Bellingham, Washington, there's not really radio. There isn't a lot of radio stations and anything that you can pick up on is usually coming from Seattle. So it sounds like shit. It's static or it's coming from across the Canadian border in Vancouver, BC. Um, that's how close Bellingham is to the border to Canada. And so most people would use either CDs or FM transmitters to play their own music because you couldn't get a radio signal. My car, I didn't have one. And so I only had radio. Okay. And this summer that I was driving all over the place and spending a lot of time in the car by myself, the radio signal was clear as day. Nice. And there were songs that would come on that just seemed so random. I'm like, one minute, one minute, I'm listening to Praise You by Flat, Fat Boy Slim, which was already like a very meaningful song for me and my mom. So anytime I hear that song, I think of her. And then all of a sudden, it's 80s rock and like Aerosmith. I'm like, these are two very different genres. They're different decades. And so I definitely, that summer connected to music a lot and felt like she was 
messing with me. I just felt her presence. I felt her energy. I felt like she was communicating with me through music. And so I think that was the first experience that I really um, kind of connected with her. Okay. Um, music again, post death. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was, um, for my last taping, we were having this conversation about how our moms sort of connect with us from the other side and how yeah. if it's something that you don't understand, it's really hard to understand. It's like if it's yeah. not something that you've been through, it might sound a little like, oh. Like maybe she's yeah. a little, but I think that there's so much relevancy in it because you do have conversations with people who've experienced loss and it's like all of these things that just don't feel like coincidences. Yeah. Um, it's like, cause I'm a person, I'm like, I don't believe in a whole bunch of just random things happening. I don't think that life is random in that way. And yeah. so when I talk to people like you or other people who've been on the show or just in general and they've experienced the same thing, it's like, oh, okay. That's interesting because now I have a different understanding of the fullness of life and like what yeah. exactly is it? Because there, if we're all having the same experience, then there must be something after our physical bodies sort of like leave this earth, you know, or yeah. I guess go into the ground or whatever the case yeah. is. Like, you know, there is, there is a there that adage that like, energy can neither be created nor destroyed like because it resonates in that way and it brings me a lot of comfort but it's also a lot of intrigue too because it's like okay well now I understand that what does that mean and what do I do with that are these things that you've potentially thought about at all absolutely I am a huge believer in serendipity and just things happening for a reason Right after she passed away, I was a lot more skeptical about that kind of stuff. But now that she's been gone for so long, I there's just been way too many coincidences yeah. um, that have happened to me or that have almost led me where I'm where I am now. Yeah. And so like certain things will happen. And in the moment, I'm like, why is this happening? but then it will lead me to a different opportunity mm. and it, it just continues. Like, it's not just one thing. It's like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And now I'm here. And all of those were very coincidental yeah. and seem to be just pulled out of nowhere. Mm. But I have a hard time believing that, like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I think that people are supposed to meet certain people I think that some people come into your life for a uh, for a reason um and I feel that that kind of adage just continues with um how parents communicate with you <laughs> yeah and it makes me laugh because my mom uh, has always been very involved in my life and making sure that I was good, you know, and it sounds like your mom is really similar. And so it really, um, it warms my heart to know that that continues, even though we uh, currently occupy like two different planes. It's like, okay, you're still a mom. And I remember my mom would always say like, it doesn't matter how old you are, I'm always going to be your mom. And yeah. it's still so relevant to me today. And it's been, it'll be yeah. two years in May for me. Um, but I'm just like, damn, like my mom is still 
my mom in so many ways, like ways that you shared. And I, so I know that you said that it's been eight years. Do you feel like it's gone by quickly or has it been slow or a mix? Time is so weird. I think that it feels like it's gone by really quick. Yeah. But at the same time, it's felt like I've lived without her forever. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, it does. When I say eight years, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it's already been eight years. Mm. But I also am like, I can't believe that it's been eight years that I've been without her. It's crazy to think about. That's such a long time. That's such a long time. And even reflecting on how much I've grown as a human being in eight years, I'm just a completely different person. Yeah. And so that also is a trip to think about. I've had moments like that too. Um, I, I want to say it was probably maybe like five months ago-ish, five, six months ago. Mm -hmm. And I was at the cemetery because I like to go there and just like sometimes I cry yeah. or sit. I've done Pilates workouts yeah. there, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was just like staring at her headstone like, damn, I have changed so much since the last time yeah. we saw each other and it had only been a year and a half for me so to mm -hmm. imagine I'm like after seven years you like have like new cells and all that stuff like you're physically yeah. a different person um and now that you've had eight it seems like you're doing so well has that process been I, I mean I know this is probably a dumb question but has that process been kind of sort of like an uphill battle for you has it been sort yeah, of yeah I would say um kind of what I had previously said about when she died and the timeline of it, I just had so much going on in my life that I, I, I really was just in shock and fully immersed myself and distracted myself with everything else. So I definitely um, suppressed my grief for a while, which now, knowing how to deal with grief, I know that that's super unhealthy. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. definitely not a good tactic, but 20-year-old me didn't really know any better. Right. And um, in my eyes at the time, I was like, I don't have time for this. Mm. Like, if she wants me to finish school, if she wants me to be successful, if that's her dying wish, literally, then I can't deal with it right now, which is sad in a lot of ways. Um, but that summer after she passed, after I was done with that spring term, I definitely went into a pretty depressive state. Um, I had an internship, but the, the hours of my internship varied week to week. Sometimes it was more full-time and sometimes it wasn't. And so Okay. It was, I didn't have a job that summer because I was focused on my internship. Um, and so the weeks that it was slower, I had a lot more time to kind of ruminate and sit with my feelings. And I mean, in the Pacific Northwest, when it's sunny, when it's summer, everybody's out. Okay. The people come alive like... <laughs> <laughs> We have a lot of rain. We have a lot of darkness. And so like when it's summer, everybody's out. Everybody's doing something. The sun always makes me feel alive. And yet that summer, I just, it was so hard to, yeah. to get out of it. 
it was so hard to take care of myself. It was so hard to do anything. Okay. Every single day. And I got to a point where, you know, I was sitting with my grief. I was feeling my feelings, but I also would make a goal for myself. And this took a while. I wasn't doing this immediately, (laughs) Um, but I would make a goal for myself to go outside. Okay. To go outside every day, whether that be 15 minute walk, like I cannot stay in my bedroom. I cannot just sit here. I cannot just sleep. I cannot just, I need to go outside. And then it started to progress more and I made a goal because I, I, in Bellingham, it's actually a very beautiful um, small town uh-huh. and it's right on the Puget Sound. And so the water, like the bay is very close. Okay. And so I started to make another goal that was like, I'm going to bike to the water and watch the sunset. Oh, wow. That's so special. My mom loved sunsets and it just was very peaceful. Like, watching the water, hearing the water, watching a sunset every evening, like what more could you want? And so it enabled me to like, not only make a goal and try to stick to it, but brought in a level of activity. And I don't know, it just was a good opportunity for me to be in solitude. Yeah. But not in my house, not in my room, not throwing a pity party for myself and watch even people watching, like seeing other people have fun and seeing other people just out and about living their lives, you know? Um, And sometimes I think when we feel grief that profound, it can it's very isolating. Yeah. It's very isolating. And you don't want anybody else to experience what you're experiencing, but at the same time, you wish they understood Understood. that your experience was validated. And for me, I felt it even more with my mom. I've, I've lost both my mom and my dad, but I was my mother's only child. She had another child, but it, she had a stillborn in her third trimester. So she lost a child before she had me. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. And um, so when I lost her, I was quite literally the only person that knew her as a mom. And so I was like, nobody gets it. Nobody knows what I'm going through in terms of losing her as a mom. Nobody. And so it felt even more, it felt even more isolating. Um, After that first summer that she was gone, I would say, you know, it, grief comes in waves. It's definitely not a linear process. You are so Um, right. And I've had moments in time and pockets in my life where I'm like, damn, I miss her. Mm. I miss her so much. And, or just, I can't believe I'm, doing this and she's not here. Yeah. I can't believe I'm achieving this and she's not here or, you know, and I know she's here, but she's not physically here with me. It's different. And so grappling with that reality too, I think has been a learning process (laughs) for sure. (laughs) But 
I think that over time, it's it's gotten easier to deal with the fact that she's gone day to day, but still anniversaries will sometimes trigger something like the holidays are still hard for me. Like having Christmases without her is really tough. Um, But it's gotten easier in a way. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I want to go back to a little bit earlier when you were saying like you really just challenged yourself to get up, go outside and then it kind of made itself into something else for those people who like, are having a hard time doing that. Could you give them a bit of advice on how to go from that hermit that's in their bed with the windows drawn and and throwing the pity party, which is valid, but to a point um, that you have to kind of go beyond that and then sort of experience something new. Can you talk a little bit about how you did that? Yeah. Um, And I'm going to talk about that, but I'm also going to rope in my dad's death with this explanation too, because um, I lost him just this last year. I'm sorry for your His loss. death was a little different than my mom's. Um, yeah, I I was close with my dad, but not the same way that I was close with my mom. Um, he was an alcoholic for many years, and it was a little bit more expected or seen that this might happen, that this might end his life. Um, And so it wasn't as much of a surprise for me. Okay. Still horrible, still shitty, still profound grief you're experiencing. Um, But I think it was really interesting losing my dad because it hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. And I, Hmm. I think part of that is just like it bringing up, damn, now I don't have either of my parents, like bringing up, you know, just feelings of losing my first parent and now my second parent. Um, But I gave myself a lot of grace this time around. And I allowed myself to really sit with my feelings and be depressed, be depressed. And so I think for people that are struggling to like make little goals and take those first steps, don't, don't take those first steps. If you, if you need more time, don't be a hermit, do what you need to do to feel what you're feeling. Don't think about your feelings, just feel them. And I think doing tiny things, small things, like I didn't start out by, oh, I'm going to go on a bike ride every day and watch the sunset. I was like, okay, I'm going to step outside. I'm going to just sit on my porch and soak in some sun for 10, 15 minutes or longer if I want to. I wouldn't even leave my house. Like I would just be outside of my house. And then it led to, okay, I'm going to go on a small walk. I'm going to walk around the block this time. And just little, little things like that. And I mean, personally, nature has always been really calming for me. It kind of resets my mind. 
Um, and so not just getting a change of scenery, not just going outside, but finding a place that you're around natural things, whether that be, you know, wooded area, small path, I don't know, but whatever brings you a sense of calm, I think can also kind of connect you to your parents in a way. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Because um, I know that a lot of people do really struggle with that sort of first step, but it's because you always yeah. have you have like your mind fixated on the wholeness of the thing instead of just like a little yeah. bit, a little pit a little. Well, I was trying to say piece and bit in the same word, <laughs> um, but it reminds me of how my mom used to tell me when I was dealing with adversity or something that was just really difficult. She would always be like, "How do you eat an, an elephant one bite at a time?" And so, like, I've been trying yeah. to, yeah, I've also been trying to take that same approach too, and kind of going back to you know what you were saying earlier about like the day-to-day being like, you know, you can kind of get through a day-to-day, but when you do think about how long it's been or those big milestones, it kind of throws you off. And I think it's kind of, it works in the same way. You know, it's just being in that moment and just being okay with getting done today. And then of course you reflect, but not sort of dwelling on that. You know, I think that's really important to just healing in in general, whether that's um, sitting in your feelings or taking the next step to do something. And a lot of people do try to avoid that whole like grief thing they try to avoid that sort of bubble because it's a terrible feeling it's shitty it's gross it's nasty Mm -hmm. like it's so funky in the worst way um but you really do need it to move I don't like to say move on but like move forward you know kind of continuing your life yeah and also it's transformative Mm -hmm. like when you experience this as horrible as it is like I would not be who I am today had I not lost my mom. Oh, definitely. I I just am a very different person. And it has forever shaped me. It will continue to shape me. Um, I think another thing that is tough to grapple with sometimes is right when something tragic like this happens – you have a lot of support. You have this whole outreach of like people in your life, like friends, family, everybody is like, and and they don't know what to say and you don't know what to say, right? right? right. They're, they're wanting to be there for you. They're wanting to comfort you, but they usually don't know how to go about doing it. And that's fine. And it's very nice to even just feel that somebody cares about you. But it's very interesting because as time goes on, those check-ins are very far and few between. Yep. Nobody nowadays is asking me how I'm doing with my mom's death. And it's like, it's been eight years, but she's still dead. (laughs) She's still dead and it still sucks, you know? And so I think going through those really tough moments of grief and feeling your feelings is so important because you will need to be able to support yourself when those feelings come up in the future because there's going to be less check-ins. And that's such a good point that I hadn't really thought of but have also felt myself Um, because yeah that 
ability to sustain yourself is going to be, or has been at least for me, one of the only things that kind of gets me through the day, you know, and people Mm -hmm. do say, people say, oh, you can call me whenever you want. And it's like, okay, I know that. But like, we both know that I'm not going to, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's hard because then, you know, you do get to a point where sometimes you are at a rock bottom and people like, well, why didn't you call me? And I'm like, I don't think that you understand the mental, like, framing of going through something that is so isolating, whether you've been in it for a year, two years, eight years, 20 years, it is an isolating feeling. And I have a sibling and I still feel that way. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents were married and I still feel that. And so I think that people, um, even like the people who lose, you know, somebody, it's hard to understand why you sort of can't do that reaching out. And it's like, you Mm -hmm. know why, but you like also don't know why at the same time. And it's, it's such a tricky thing. And I would love to kind of hear more of your perspective on how you approach grief now that you're a little bit older. Of course, like age and, and experience plays a difference in things. But I would love to hear about your approach to grief and grieving and how it differed uh, from your mom and your dad. Um, of course, not including the difference in circumstance, but just that feeling of grief in general. Yeah. So definitely with my mom's death, I suppressed a lot of my emotions. Um, I And that really just prolonged the healing experience so much. Um, and at the time of her death, I was also in a very toxic relationship. Um, and that didn't help at all. I actually felt very connected to him after my mom passed because he lost his mom when he was younger. And so I felt kind of just bonded to him in that way because at the time I was very, I felt very isolated. Anyway, time progresses. I end up ending that relationship because I snap out of it (laughs) and realize like, this shit is not good for me. And um, when I did that, it triggered all of these emotions of grief again because I was like okay I know this is the right decision I didn't go back to him like I didn't go back to this relationship I knew that it was the right thing to do but I also felt like I was losing my security blanket I was losing the person that understood what I was going through and how interesting. Right after that happened, I met Shout Emma. Shout out to Emma. Yeah. <laughs> so it it was very interesting. I mean, after meeting Emma and learning that her mom passed away and her mom passed away of the same thing that my mom passed away from, I just felt like, okay, like you totally can do this. You can do this without this toxic person in your life. There are other people that understand you. And so that was very, like a very beautiful thing for me to experience. But I think that this time around, when I lost my dad, I not only felt my feelings more (laughs) and didn't analyze them and didn't like, I wasn't too harsh with myself or I just allowed me, like, I allowed myself to rest. Wow. I allowed myself to rest and take care of myself the best I could in those moments of grief. And with my mom, I also, you know, and this 
probably has to do with the environment at the time of me being in college, but I partied a lot. I partied a lot. I drank a lot. And when I was depressed, that wasn't a good idea (laughs) because when I drank, I overdrank and it was a pattern and it was constant. And now like I, I don't think that I have a problem with alcohol but I have made a boundary with myself when I am sad and really sad, I'm not going to drink. And this time around that happened with my dad. I didn't drink. I didn't, I didn't do anything inebriating because I'm like, it will give me an excuse to do it again and again. And not a, it's, it's an escape And I have done that before and I can't do it again because it just prolongs this experience. Um, So I think that's also something that people could learn from. I know it's really hard because you want to feel good instantly. Um, And obviously finding coping mechanisms, um, you know, once in a while, do your thing. But I think once once things start to multiply, once things start to become a habit, it's important to recognize that. So I think sitting with your grief, biggest piece of advice, in my opinion, just like sitting with it and feeling it and not being too harsh with yourself because something I and everybody is at fault for this is waking up in the morning and if you are suffering from depression and experience experiencing profound grief, you are thinking to yourself, I have to get up. I have to do something today. I have to be productive. No, you don't. Like you don't, you don't need to be productive. You don't need to be productive. And anything that you have to do, you're probably going to do it at 20% capacity. That's so And true. you have to allow yourself to be okay with that. Like show up as best as you can and don't expect too much from yourself. Like these things are intense. Losing a parent is intense. And I just, I think that's another thing that always shocks me is when I have experienced somebody dying Life just goes on the next day. It really does. And you're just supposed to do all this mundane shit that doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) The world needs to stop and experience this grief with me. (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely a consensus of feeling that I have come across uh, with anybody who I've met that lost somebody. I know you said that your mom passed in March, you said? Yes. Okay. Yes, so, yes, and, yes. and then your birthday's in February, and yeah, her birthday's yeah. also in March. What is this time yeah, of year yeah. like for you? How are you feeling today? Yeah. Um, I'm feeling okay today, but I know that March is always a little tough. Um, and I mean, even just me getting older is also hard because she died just like a month after I turned 20. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I get older each year, I'm like, Oh, 
this is this is like the marker of when she got really really sick and you know and so it's it's tough it's definitely tough but I also think that she makes her presence known in my life in so many ways Mm -hmm. that it's almost hard to ignore her (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and I get you know people listening to this may scoff at that or roll their eyes and I get it I get the skepticism I was so skeptical of that kind of stuff before I lost a parent but it is so real I just (laughs) I I don't know how to explain it and I'm sure that you can relate to but it's it's real and there's no other way to describe it Well, so you already dropped so many amazing little tidbits of information. So I'm not going to end this by asking you if you have anything left to say, unless you do. Um, I'm going to end this by asking you, how do you think that your mom would feel about who you are right now? I think she would be damn proud. I think she would be damn proud. I think that she would be really excited that I'm going to grad school. Um, she was very academic herself. She got a master's in social work, um, from Portland state also. So I think that she would be really excited that, um, I'm going to school. Oh, good. Well, I am sure she is. Well, Madeline, I want to thank you so much for your time and your energy and like just all this amazing conversation that we've had. And I also want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of Damn Mom, really the podcast that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to. I will see you guys in 10 days. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review and a comment. It's super, super helpful to us. And as promised, there's a relaxing cool down slash guided meditation by Liliana Rasmussen coming up in five, four, three, two. Welcome to this guided meditation session to create a safe place for you. Chronic pain can be very hard to handle, but many times when we create a mental image of our suffering, we tend to aggravate this pain, thus increasing it. Then every time we feel the sensation, we will have a negative thought attached to it on a conscious and subconscious level. So what this meditation will teach you are techniques to change the mental image that has been created from this pain, and instead implement a peaceful association with pleasant visualizations that create a warmer bonding between you and your body's sensations. This allows you to accept and allow, instead of fight and push away. Make sure you're in a very comfortable position. Sit down or lay down if that feels good for you, however you need to position yourself so that none of your muscles are activated or tense. Every part of your body can rest and feel completely relaxed during this meditation. Begin by taking five deep breaths to relax even more. One, full breath in and let it go. Two, fully inhale and exhale. Three, breathe in as much as you can and let it go, feeling a wave of relaxation come over you. Four, Inhale deeply and exhale, feeling invigorated. Five, last one, fully inhale and exhale, feeling any tension loosen up and your body feeling extremely relaxed. Good. And just allow your breath to slow and flow naturally now. Don't try to change anything about it. Just notice the calmness that these five breaths gifted you. Notice how your body breathes without you doing anything at all. Begin to feel any sensations that you associate with your pain. 
Bring them into your awareness and allow these feelings to multiply. You're completely safe and secure. It's okay to allow these sensations to arise. They will not harm you. Put all of your focus on these areas. Really feel their exact position and the quality of the sensations. What's the pain like for you? Is it stinging, tingling, or burning? Perhaps it's like something else. In your mind, describe every detail and then sit with it. Be entirely with it while it presents itself. Don't do anything about it except feel it. Allow the sensations to grow and don't stop them. Just see what they do. Notice the details of changes the sensations make. Good. You're doing so well. Now switch your focus and bring into your mind's eye a visual of a place you love to go or have been to that is very serene and peaceful for you. It could be an imaginary place, like on top of a gorgeous mountain, or somewhere you frequently go, like a nearby nature path. Your favorite place could be as simple as your warm, cozy bed next to a loved one. Wherever this place is for you, see it vividly right now. Start by visualizing all the physical aspects of this place. Where are you? What do you see when you look up? If you're outside, it could be the sky. If you're in a safe room somewhere, it could be the ceiling. Notice everything you see when you look up. Now look down and at your feet. What does the ground look like below you? Gaze all around this favorite place of yours, making the colors bright and vivid. Make out even more details now, like the leaves on the trees and plants, or the things that are placed around the room. Do you notice any patterns anywhere? They could be patterns in nature, like the way things grow, or the patterns of fabrics and objects in a room. Notice every pattern you can find in great detail. The more details you can imagine, the better. How dark or light out is it? What time of the day do you think it is? And make a judgment about the placement of the sun in the sky. Which way is the light of the sun coming into your imagination? Look at all of the beautiful things that make this place so enjoyable for you. Use your visual creativity of this place for the next several moments. Nice. Now you are going to bring about the sensations this beautiful spot offers. Start by tapping your feet on the ground. Is the surface hard or soft? Feel the ground below you here with your feet, noticing anything you can about it. Become aware of the temperature in this place. Is it cool or warm or hot? Is there a breeze blowing or is the air calm and still? Can you feel the sun on your skin? Sit with these sensations for a few moments and enjoy them. Are there any smells here? If you're imagining the beach, maybe you can smell the salty air, or if you're in a forest, the smell of nature. Just notice how your sense of smell can create sensations of aromas for you when you put your mind to it. What about sounds? Bring fully into this experience any sounds that surround you here. Perhaps you hear a loved one nearby. Perhaps you're alone and you can hear the sounds that nature creates for you. Vividly hear any sounds in this experience. Sit with these senses activated for a few moments and begin to interact with your environment. Great. To relax even further, become aware of what you're doing here. Are you sitting down and relaxing or walking around and exploring? Are you doing exactly what you love and want to do? See yourself being completely relaxed and happy here. There's no need to do anything here but relax and enjoy it. Be assured that this place is always here for you to keep you safe if you need to flee from pain. Take another slow and deep breath in. And as you exhale, you feel at complete peace with yourself and all the sensations in your body. As I speak these words to you, you are changing the mental images associated with your pain. 
Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the sensations in your body, repeat this exercise to accept the pain and change the thoughts associated with it. When you use this technique, you will stop the pain from becoming aggravated and growing stronger. When you vividly visualize a safe and peaceful place in moments of distress, you are slowing down your pulse and blood pressure, creating a peaceful and strong connection to your body and mind. Allow yourself to slowly become aware of your surroundings, and whenever you're ready, open your eyes, ready to go about your day peacefully.